0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, our guest is someone who definitely does not believe that white men can't jump. In fact, he disproves it, and he has the Instagram video as proof. We'll meet him in a minute. But first, Darlene, give me that 2020 energy. Let's run it. Buckets, Boards & Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards & Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you, Darlene. I love your intros. They are the best. Now, folks, I'd like to introduce you to this week's guest. His name is Mike Kaufman, but many of you may know him as Overtime Mikey. um, And you also may know his alter ego at Better Bounce. Mikey is part of the budding Overtime Empire, and he's a friend of mine. We spent some time together this summer, and he's just super dope. Mikey, thanks for your time, love.
2: I am honored to be here.
1: Okay, so let's go back. I want to go back to the beginning of Mikey's love story with basketball and dunking and better bounce. Like, how did you fall in love with the game?
2: It's a good question. Um, I started playing when I was nine and kind of just fell in love with it, just on my driveway, shooting around. Um, to be honest, I was kind of a late bloomer in the basketball game. I wasn't a heavily recruited player. I didn't play AAU. I was only getting recruited by Division three colleges. Um, so... To keep playing at that point, you kind of have to love it. And for me, I just always knew I could – I always had this, like, awareness that I knew I could get better. Um, And I always just wanted to reach my full potential. So um, to not be uh, heavily recruited but to keep making way and keep getting to the next level uh, was something that I wanted to do. And luckily, I got to achieve that. Um, And, yeah, I mean – now I just I have better bounce to hope to inspire the next generation so they can do like a similar thing.
1: Okay, so you're talking about loving the game from just the I purely love the game standpoint. When did it switch over to I'm going to be this dunk master? Like when did you find out that you had bounce, Mikey?
2: Um, so that honestly wasn't until I was like 18. I didn't really start like dunking till I was in college. Um, part of it because I was just like physically late bloomer and then... I was just like I was I kept getting injured in high school like I broke my foot and my ankle like two different times, and like I was just always on the comeback from an injury so um so I don't really know how athletic I should have been in high school, <laughs> but I really didn't start getting athletic till till college all right, so do you remember your first dunk like how did that? um so I remember my first in game dunk. It was my senior year of high school. It was pretty weak, to be honest. Like, it was like it was like a little rim grazer. It was like barely getting it over the rim, but I counted it as my first dunk. Um, and then I remember it was summer before college where I really started, like, punching it in. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was just that kid in, like, PE class in, like, 10th grade, like, trying to touch the rim, trying to touch the rim, like, 100 times. And everyone would be like, what's wrong with this kid? Like, he, why is he just trying to touch the rim, and the backboard? Um, and then you know, eventually, everything started to click for me.
1: So, in your yeah. intro, our clever producer Bruce wrote that you fully dis- uh, disagree with and prove wrong the idea that white men can't jump. <laughs> yeah, I like.
2: Yeah, I like to be you know a big a big uh, ambassador for why that's not true. <laughs> exactly okay so
1: but how does this work because like i can remember coming up and watching like n one mixtapes back do you remember One yes
2: i was obsessed with that exactly. I, had, okay, right. I, had, I had like five of the dvds
1: so how do we get from a rim grazer as a senior just starting to really dunk before you got to college to all the way back to better bounce
2: yeah so you know as, as my as my high school uh life was ending youtube um had become a real thing and you can now watch like NBA players working out and watch other people working out and kind of, and also like just Google, you know, what are the best exercises for vertical jump? And then, you know, really start experiment, experimenting. So, you know, I could, I, I looked for any jump program I could find. I was looking at any video. I was trying all these different exercises. Um, and I really took an, an approach as like a training athlete to really try to become more explosive and jump higher um, and things started to click for me. And then over time, no pun intended, but over time, I always, I always happens to me. Um, and then over time I really started to, uh, you know, flesh out my trading, what works for me, things that I like. Um, I do have no like certificate to be like a personal trainer or anything like that, but just through my experience, it kind of goes to show like my methods have worked, um, and yeah
1: tell us uh,
2: i mean it, like what's the, okay it, yeah.
1: so base level not getting into yeah. like mikey's diet and workout yeah. regimen but if somebody yeah. wanted to improve their bounce yeah base level
2: what is yeah. that i would say the easiest most imp- like most important thing is just to become a really good jumper so like jumping itself is a skill just like shooting ball handling um there's different approaches to jumping you can jump off two feet from two different plants you can jump off one foot either off your left or right um and each approach has its own, like, mechanics and skill. Um, if you look at a guy like Zion Williamson, like, like he's an amazing athlete. We all know that. But if you, like, broke down his approach and jumping off one foot and two feet, it's, like, textbook perfect. Um, and that's why he's so effective. And that's more natural for him because he's, like, a freak. So <laughs> for some of us, it's not so natural, but it's something you can work and improve on. And just that alone, it, a lot of people will see fast improvements. Um just changing their mechanics right away. Wow.
1: I, so is is jumping, what percentage of jumping is nurture? What percentage of, jump, percentage of jumping is nature? Or can you alter it?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I think it varies from person to person. I think we all have our athletic potential and some people are blessed with a higher ceiling than others. Um, but I will say that if you do put in work, you can see massive improvements. Mm. You might never be like Zion though.
1: <laughs> all right so what's the coolest dunk you compete you're competing dunk contests and stuff. i have yeah i have in the past i'm getting old now uh whatever <laughs> you're getting better with time so what's the what's the dunk or the moment in dunking that you're most proud of
2: um uh, that's a good question um pro- yeah probably just like being being in a dunk contest with a big crowd and just like jumping over someone and dunking it and just people are surprised. because I was like, about to say, how was the surprise element yeah, like? Yeah, I think the surprise element of just being like, why is this white guy <laughs> jumping high? I think that's what I live for. So I think that's like the best thing. It's just like catching people off guard at the gym. you playing at like a random pickup gym. And then like you're on the fast break and you just dunk it. And it's like, what? Like, wait a minute. And I think that's kind of what I live for. It's like a, it's a thrill of that, that feeling. Um, and, and, you know, you grew up watching all your favorite players and, you know, you want to be like them. So this is one Who's your favorite?
1: Who's your, who was your dunk idol?
2: So, yeah, it's not someone people would think of, but honestly, Allen Iverson. like For dunking? Yeah. So, like, if you look at his, like, rookie season, okay. he had so many dunks okay. and people just don't, like, they haven't watched enough of the archives to realize this. But the reason I fell in love with him as a player was because, you know, he was 5'11", like, 170 pounds. And, like... I'm just like, little well, white kid, like, I I was short. Like, I was like 5'6 going into my freshman year of high school. So, it's like, I was like, I probably won't be 6'5, but maybe I'll be Allen Iverson's height. So, you can kind of relate to him. And, and, I mean, he was just so good at basketball. So, I just fell in love with his game. And then, you know, he has some crazy highlight putback dunks and stuff. You got to check it out on YouTube.
1: I'm going to um, look into that now. Yeah.
2: I'm curious. Okay. So... Dunking is cool.
1: You're great at jumping. But you've also been able to do some really dope projects through overtime and just through basketball. One of my favorite. This summer, right? You were in Greece? Yes. Talk to us. Listen to the people. Y'all listen to what basketball has done for Mikey.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, No, so, yeah, this summer I was lucky enough to be invited uh, through Nike um, to go to Athens, Greece. To kind of hang out with Giannis and his brothers a little bit for his sneaker launch of the Freak Ones. Um, I've never been to Greece, um, so it was really cool. I love traveling, so anytime I can go abroad, like it's just a treat. And this was obviously a super cool trip. So, you know, I went to Athens with the other with a group of media from other companies as well, um, and we kind of explored like Giannis's where, where he grew up in, uh, as a child, and like his first gym and his coach. We met his coach from his like equivalent to like his AAU team over there. Um, and it was just really cool to see how he is in his home hometown and how the people embrace him. And then just to get to talk to him for a little bit, he's just so down to earth. And this is coming off his MVP season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just so down to earth. Like you know, he puts in work. You know, he's going to be like the next generational player for the next ten years. Um, and I don't see I don't see anything. His progression has been crazy, and I don't see it changing.
1: Having the opportunity to walk literally the same streets and gyms as Giannis. Did you, did it give you a different perspective on his humility?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, he definitely comes from humble beginnings, but I think he's just so aware. He knows that. And he also, his older brother, Thanassis, I think has been a great role model because, you know, he was playing in the G league. He played a little bit in the NBA. He's been playing professionally way before Giannis. And he kind of saw Giannis' potential before Giannis did. Giannis was saying how Giannis wanted to be a soccer player. Really? He didn't even want to play basketball. And Denonso was like, listen, like, you're going to be too tall to play soccer. Like, you got to play basketball. Um, and he kind of forced him to play. And just to have, you know, a mentor like that, someone looking out for you, um, is huge. And you could so, you could see how close bond they do. They have as brothers. Um, and then their family overall um, is just so, you know, close-knit. and. Yeah, it's pretty inspiring.
1: Did you challenge Giannis to a dunk contest?
2: <laughs> nah, I didn't. Um I had a, I only had like a few minutes to talk to him, uh, to be honest. But yeah, I kept it more about him. I didn't I didn't make it about me. But you know I wanted to I'm show sure. I wanted to show him the bounce, but I bet, I
1: bet, I bet. All right, so but if you guys have to check out Mikey's Instagram, overtime Mikey, E Y. Um, you also got a chance to hang out with Dwayne Wade here recently, sort of? Kind? Yeah.
2: So this story is really cool. Um, basically my friend texted me, this is like, what was this? This is over a year ago, but it was, it was in the off season right before Dwayne Wade's last year in the NBA. And he had tweeted, yo, I'm pulling up to New York city. Like where are my after work Hoopers at? Like basically saying he wants to just like hoop with average Joes in New York that play ball after work. And that's me right now. I'm washed up. I work in the office and I play after work. So my buddy that I played in college with texted me like that tweet that Dwayne Wade said. And I was like, yo, we should DM him from overtime. So we DM Dwayne Wade from overtime because we've had this past relationship with him. We've covered his son Zaire uh, a lot in the last few years. So we were like, yo, like, where are you hooping? Like, we might pull up. And he was like, great. He's like, I'm going to hoop at Chelsea Pierce at like six. So we just, like, pack up our bags. And we, and me and Sam, Sam Gordon, overtime Sam, uh, we, we just head over to Chelsea Piers. Dwayne Wade just, like, walks in by himself. No, like, security or anyone. He just, like, by himself, pulls up. And we're just like, we got next. And then, like, we just started talking to him. And then we played. And we just kind of ran the court for, like, three, four games. It was, it was crazy. Y'all ran yeah.
1: five on five?
2: Yeah, five on five. And it was me, Sam, Dwayne, and, like, two random people. And we just kept, and we just won like three, four games in a row. That's and, yeah, epic. It was amazing. And like for me, I grew up in South Florida, so I was born in New York, but I, my parents and I we moved down to South Florida about an hour from Miami uh, when I was like seven or eight. So, you know, I I was I'm a Knicks fan, but I couldn't watch the Knicks games because we didn't have MSG. Mm-hmm. So I was just watching every Heat game, mm-hmm. and I really started loving basketball in 03, which was the year that Wade and LeBron and Melo got drafted. Yep. So you know. And when Wade first came to the Heat, they were trash. So the tickets were really cheap. So I would go to a lot of Heat games. My dad would take me to a lot of Heat games. And I just watched so much. I watched Dwayne Wade more than any other player. And so to to be able to meet him and then let Mm -hmm. alone play with him, it's crazy. And then I've actually run into him like two or three times after that, and he remembered me. He did? Okay, that's cool. And and it's been dope. I hope to see him again soon. So
1: Dwayne Wade is is the guy you watch the most probably. How would you assess Dwayne as a jumper?
2: As a jumper. Oh, yeah. so he, he is an elite jumper. He's probably like an underrated dunker because he's just so good. Like sometimes these guys that are so good at basketball get like underrated as mm-hmm. dunkers. Like mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant's also like one of the best dunkers ever, too. Um, but Dwayne Wade's unreal because he could jump. So he, he's not that tall. He was like 6'3, six, 6'4, six, but he plays and gets off the ground like he's like, it's like effortless. He's like, it, he plays like he's three, four inches taller than he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has his fair share of poster dunks. He can jump off one. He can jump off two. He, he's a very, like, dynamic jumper. Um, next level, for sure.
1: Oh, my God. Mikey, that's such a dope story. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so let's talk overtime project. Let's talk NBA this year. We're coming up not to – what are we? This is the middle of January. All-Star weekend is, like, three weeks out-ish, maybe. Who would you like to see in the dunk contest
2: this year? Yeah, so – Number one will be Zion. I don't think he'll be in it because he's just coming off that meniscus surgery. Are you okay? Yeah. Wait, okay. Let's talk about Zion as a dunker. He's huge. Yeah. For one, well, he's actually not that big. Like he's like he's only like 6'5", six, six, But he's six. But
1: yeah. I'm talking about girth, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. whole
2: package. Yeah, he's yeah. one
1: of the heavier guys in the league, he's as like, it yeah, stands for sure. So his ability to dunk is that natural freakish athleticism. Yeah. To you, his dunks are impressive because he's moving all of that weight.
2: Um. If you, like, look at how high he's getting, like, his head is just at the rim. And, like, he's just, like, getting higher than, like, LeBron is getting. Like, he jumps LeBron's old now, though. But I'm saying even LeBron is crying. I'm saying, like, he's just, like, I don't know. Is he the best dunk contest dunker, like, creative-wise? I don't know. But I I just want to see him. And you know what's going to be more hype if he's in it? It's definitely gonna be more. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so Zion is on your wish list. Who else? Um, I'd like to see Hami, uh, who he won last year, Hami Diallo. I like yes. to see him just try to, you know, protect his crown. hmm Um, and then there's guys like who, who else? Oh, I'd love to see John Moran.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, so should, talk to me about yeah, this. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Because you got Zion at what is Zion? Like six eight? Six seven, six six. Six yeah. six, two something. Right, then you're talking about Diallo, who's like six seven, probably two twenty. Yeah, he's skinny. He's thinner, right? Yep. And if he's if he's at two, yep. and then we're going Try five months. five ten, like we're going to go six foot, I mean, above yeah. ninety. Yeah, if you're judging the dunk contest.
2: yeah, the smaller guy is always the most impressive. I mean. Period. That's yeah. your rule. I mean, it's not a rule, but it, it usually is true because like they they jump higher because they they need to to be able to get up there.
1: But couldn't we argue that Zion has to work harder because he's moving a lot more weight? Yeah.
2: Zion has to work harder, and that's why his his, his, knee, his knees are pretty upset with him. But, um, but yeah, I always, you know, my favorite dunk contest contestant was always, like, Nate Robinson. I knew you were going to say that yeah. because I was a Knicks fan. He was, like, 5'9", and he was just insane. Uh, but, yeah, I always gravitate towards the smaller guys because I'm a smaller guy. I'm only 6 feet. So, as a dunker that small, in real life, that's, like, good height.
1: That's, like, good height. All right, so then your five categories that you're judging dunks on
2: or they're five uh, or they're less what yeah are they? uh so i would judge dunk if i was a dunk contest judge i would dunk i would say first off like has this ever been done before like if it's never been done before like you should get extra points for that.
1: originality
2: because that's hard nowadays everyone's I done, er- everyone's done everything and
1: it's on you everything's on youtube yeah, like, exactly. whatever.
2: so the next thing would be um elevation like how high are you getting okay and then the other one would be like power like how hard are you dunking it? Is it a clean dunk? Like, did it? Did you barely get it in over the rim, or mm-hmm. did you like really punch it home? Okay. My favorite is when like someone dunks it and the ball scoops. The ball like either scoops or like goes straight down off the ground, like bounces like ten feet off the ground. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got um, it. Those three main things. Um, is
1: style included in that? That's yeah. originality.
2: Yeah. Style. Style is definitely a big part of it okay. because yeah, style is a huge part because. You could do like a windmill dunk and then someone else could do a windmill dunk with crazy style and like that one just looks way better, even though it's like the same dunk.
1: So let's go back to last year's contest because this yeah. still makes me laugh. I don't think it was Diallo. I can't remember who did it, but yeah. it had the whole plane, the Wright Brothers thing and like put on the whole outfit and oh, then yeah. missed.
2: Oh, yeah. Who was that? <laughs> I, can't I can't remember who I can't did remember. it.
1: But that's a ton of style. Yeah. Ultimately, I think he, I'm pretty sure he missed the dunk.
2: <laughs> I think he did. Um... <laughs>
1: But would you like? Were you Blake Griffin jumped over a car? That's a huge deal on style
2: or original. So the Blake Griffin car dunk, I'm not a fan of. Okay, why? Because he jumped over the hood and like,
1: oh. I don't know,
2: the hood of the car isn't like high. It's like it's not that high. It, it, it's it's wide like, though. He had to clear it. Yeah, but he hung on the rim and like I don't know. I just I've seen guys like jump over like the actual like some of a car. And that's just more impressive. But I know Blake Gruden didn't want you hurt. It was cool. He brought a car out on the court. That was cool. Most recent dunk that stuck with you? Um, I mean, last year, Hami jumped over Shaq and put his elbow in the
1: ring. Was that in the contest? Yeah. It, okay, yeah. Jumped, I remember he won. He jumped
2: over Shaq and had, and had his elbow in the ring. Vince Carter, yes! And it looked like he maybe pushed off with the left hand. But if you watch in slow-mo, like, he, he really didn't. He just had it there for like a brace. But he didn't really push off. So.
1: He jumped over Shaq. I remember him winning, but God, I don't remember it, that. It,
2: it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I was Did there. he clear him? Um, you were
1: there. Humble yeah. brag, everybody. Did you catch that? I
2: was there in person, <laughs> and he cleared him and had his elbow in the rim. It made no sense.
1: How do you top that, then?
2: I don't know. He's going to have to... I know he has a couple dunks uh, up his sleeve, but...
1: So, do you, are you like, you know, he has a couple of dunks off his sleeve because of like his Instagram stuff or like.
2: Yeah, because, okay. yeah, yeah, because I've just seen like him try other videos over the course of his career. And like when I see people try dunks, like it just sticks in my brain forever.
1: What's your, have you ever seen a dunk go terribly left? Not just miss, but like yeah, um,
2: injuries. There is, there was that one video that went viral of this guy trying to jump over a car and like. His foot just got, like, caught or something <gasps> and, like, was was going, like, head first into the cement and did not look good. And he was okay, but it looked really bad. You know when you put it in slow-mo? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, no. Yeah, it was, like, it was pretty bad. Oh, my god! But like, in real life, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you try a couple – if you're trying to jump over people and jump over objects, like, you got to be careful because it's – For sure. It could be, be the last dunk.
1: So, but I feel like contest dunks and, like – YouTube dunks are way different than in-game dunks.
2: They are 100%. So, in-game dunks are I mean for smaller people are really hard. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't I, when I played I didn't get a ton of in-game dunks.
1: So are you a, pro- a proponent of get out of the way when you see a guy dunking or like take your shot at the defender and just see what happens?
2: <laughs> I mean personally I've never been I've never been done for my defense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tend I tend to get out of the way. Like last night literally last night uh the we had, a, we had a play that went viral on overtime. Greg Brown, like, dunked on this kid so bad. And it's like, why did this kid jump? He had no chance. Uh-huh. But he jumped and, like, he fell because he, the guy dunked it so hard. And and now he's viral everywhere. Like, SportsCenter reposted it. Oh, God. Like, who makes it repost Poor it. baby. So now he's just all over the internet. It's just like, he probably should have just got out of the way, like. Oh, man. You're not going to... So for
1: you, getting crossed badly, crossed over and fall, or getting dunked on, which is the um, lesser evil?
2: I think... I mean, it, I think it depends. There's like, you know, there's levels to it. You know, like crossing over, it's like sometimes someone hits you with like a jab step or a crossover and you just like kind of stumble. But if you like fall out, just fall. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and then like, there's like, when you get dunked on, it's like maybe you just you're just like in the picture with your hand up a little bit. It's not that mm-hmm. bad when you like jump full contest and land up land and land on your back <laughs> it's pretty bad you just get like god so there's so
1: many levels between yeah, taking the there's way.
2: levels i I just don't want to get dunked on so period yeah period so you'd um, rather
1: get crossed by ai or dwayne Wade than dunked on by either of them
2: yes I, I, even I,
1: though those I'll, are like your idols you yeah. wouldn't get dunked on i'll, by get, them.
2: Crossed up. I'll get crossed
1: though <laughs> all right mikey thank you so much for your time this of is course. how we wrap buckets boards and blocks though before we let okay. you go The name of the show is obviously Buckets, Boards, or Blocks. Mm -hmm. You get to pick one, and you're going to give me why you want this thing. So let me give you the explanation. A bucket is the A++ thing. You love this about the NBA right now, or even what overtime is doing. You love this. You want to see more of it. The board is like a rebound. Innately, when you first look at it, it's not so great, but it has some silver lining a redeeming quality. And the block is the thing that you want to see. Get out of here. I don't want any more of this. So Mm -hmm. your Choices are, like, in the NBA this year or whatever overtime has cooking, a bucket, board, or a block.
2: Okay. Uh, I'll go a bucket. Okay. And I'll definitely make it about overtime. Okay, let's do it. So, we've been putting out a lot of great, like, episodic series lately, like, Prime Time on our football channels with Deion Sanders. We have our Newman's reality show. We have Summer Throne with my Summer Throne, me super Monica excited. coming out. <laughs> so, I just want to see more of that. I just want to see, you know, more fun, episodic content that I know our audience wants to watch, distributed on all the platforms that they watch it on. Um, And that's what I just want to see more of in 2020. And we got it cooking up. We got like four shows coming out soon. And, you know, we're just going to keep doing that. We love it. And and yeah. We
1: love it. 2020, let's go. Episodic content. Yes. Well, Mikey, thank you so much for coming on, love. Thank you. It was so much fun. Yeah, you have such a great story with dunking. We love your bucket for sure.
2: Of course.
1: Big thanks to Mikey for coming through. But that's not where the conversation is going to stop today, folks. I feel like I need a drum roll to welcome back in my extraordinary producer and fantastic sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, on the first episode of 2020, Fresh Off a Vacation. Bruce, Bruce,
0: Bruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aruba was fantastic. We had a wonderful time. I highly recommend it. I'm not working for their chamber of commerce, but uh, it was 10 on a scale of 10. So uh, thanks a lot. It's great. It's great to be back with you. And while we have peace in the family after a great vacation, it looks like there's peace between the WNBA management and the Players Association. Monica, what are we thinking? Uh, The labor dispute will not be happening.
1: I am so thrilled that the Players Association, the new CBA, the W, all parties involved got on board. I think... One, this was an issue that I think not enough people even knew was a problem. And I, two, I super-duper applaud Neka Agumake, Chenea as her sister as the vice president of the WNBA PA, um, Terry Jackson, the president of the Players' Union, and Kathy Engelberg, the commissioner. I just applaud them for their forward thinking. Because while everything that was changed here recently will not be implemented right away, it speaks to the future of the W and the future for female athletes. And I heard Shanae say it on ESPN. I think it sets a great precedent for women across the board as working women and in other leagues in particular.
0: It seemed like the uh, the players got, you know, most of what they wanted. And from what I read, and I, I think Shanae may have actually even said this. I'm not positive. One of the biggest victories, I think, for the players was just that, the league seemed to really want to know what their issues were. They really treated them in a way that was very respectful and they took everything that they were, you know, asking for very seriously. And what a great precedent that is in labor union relations.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think so a couple of the things that were highlighted in this new CBA that may seem like small things or may even seem like, duh, we thought those women would have already been able to take advantage of that as elite athletes. One, the wellness. I love the holistic approach of this, this deal. The players now get their own rooms on the road. Uh, working moms are supported tremendously. They will receive their whole salary, even if they become pregnant. Um, and there's things in place to talk about player wellness, mentally, physically, emotionally as well. So those are, that's one of the things that I love. Um, I also think the money is very important. The revenue share goes up on a base business level. The league doesn't exist without the players, and to a degree, vice versa. But I do think that the players deserve a bigger piece of that pie. I also love that some of your top tier players have an opportunity to make well into the six figures. Now, granted, 300000 potentially 500000 with bonuses and such, Still, is not the million dollars that a Brianna Stewart or Brittany Griner or Diana Taurasi gets to make in Russia, but it definitely shows progress.
0: Well, I think one of the things that that the both sides really wanted to do was try and find a way to make the finances better so that the players wouldn't be going overseas. Because I think a lot of that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you know the scheduling uh, better than I do, but it seemed like uh, it was causing some of the players to get back later, you know, and closer to the beginning of the season than was really ideal. Your biggest stars were the ones that were going to be coming in latest to camp. So I got to think the coaches must be really happy about that.
1: Right. A hundred percent. And I know that the league... Somewhere in the language, and I have to go back and read and really study it, but down the road, eventually, players that missed the beginning of training camp and such could face a penalty outside of certain players who may have national team obligations because they're international players or if a recent draft or rookie, I should say, has a college graduation, there will be some expectations. But I think if the W wants more of a commitment from its athletes, they have to give more to commit to. And so to your point, the give and take, I think, here was really healthy. And you can just tell that the women that make up the Players Association and and the league in general, but those women in particular that we've seen on TV here the last few days, are just so proud of the work that they've done and the ability to move this thing forward.
0: And, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I'm sure female fans understand much better than male fans is the whole concept of the whole maternity leave thing. I know that Skylar Diggins had a tough time last year after she gave birth. She was suffering from postpartum depression. And I know that mental health wellness has been a big issue in the last year for men and women. But, you know, and we talked about this on a podcast, I don't know, a few weeks ago or a month ago. It's like, you know, female athletes face things that male athletes never have to worry about. And certainly that's one of the issues. So the fact that there's going to be better treatment of players who want to uh, start a family while they're playing it just makes for a better overall life and a healthier sort of attitude towards everything involved. So to me, that's just something that I think female fans can probably understand much better than us guys can. But I mean, some of us kind of get it, but we've never lived it. So do we really get it? I mean, maybe not.
1: I think that's a great point, Bruce. And you got to remember, the same for the NBA, although it's a little bit different, obviously they make more money. But the window... For a professional athlete, as a woman, it's so small. And as much as we love the idea of having families, you never know how your body is going to respond after a child. Um, But to know that you have the support of your team, of your league, I'm sure that lifts a tremendous burden. Um, One of the other things in the new agreement that I really enjoyed is support for players that may want to get into coaching or into a front office of a team or even into the media. Like, I have not had a ton of experience in this in the NBA, but as you know, I hang out with the Knicks a bunch and do stuff for them. While the Knicks may be a circus in the eyes of whoever, one thing that they do well outside of a case that made headlines probably about three years ago, for the most part is they look out for their alums. um, And they try to put those guys in positions to either continue to be a part of the franchise moving forward or connect them with the network that the Knicks have. That's powerful in terms of support. Even when I'm done bouncing a basketball and trying to score and win games for you. So the W should have that. I know we've had LaChina Robinson on this podcast and she talks a lot about the leadership and there aren't many former players or black women in positions of leadership in terms of coaching in the WNBA. And so all of these things and incrementally we're making improvements. I just, I think it was so very forward thinking of them and I love how
0: holistic it is. One of the things that I never even realized was that uh, when teams traveled, they uh, the players had to double up in the rooms, right? I had no idea. I mean, so now one of the things is, you know, the players are going to have their own individual rooms. And to me, just the whole privacy factor, you want to talk on the phone with somebody and you have, you know, privacy, whatever. That's to me, that that's a really big deal. And I was really like ignorant about the fact that W players had to have roommates on the road. So to me, that's that's a very nice, uh, you know, perk that they'll now be able to enjoy.
1: They also travel coach. And at least now, while charters are not the rule through the regular season, I do believe charters are going in into the, uh, it might be conference finals. I know last year we saw charters late into the playoffs. Um, but at least when they're flying coach, there's an effort to be made to get exit rows and extra legroom seats. All of these little things that you right, You're talking about a professional league And they're still, these are women that are six plus easily sitting in regular plane seats. And I don't know about you, Bruce, but it seems like plane seats get smaller and smaller unless you're willing to pay the extra.
0: (laughs) Last week when I was on vacation, right? I was flying on a major airline. I won't say what airline it was, but it starts with a U and it ends with a D and it has six letters in it. Okay. And I hadn't flown on that airline for a number of years. Now I'm not a huge guy. I'm about six one. Okay. I was so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There was like about an inch of leg room between my knees and the back of the seat. And that was before the person in front of me reclined it and banged it right into my knees. So if I'm six foot, six foot one, and some of these ladies are like, you know, six, three, six, four or more, That is brutal. I'm so glad that they're going to be able to get some relief on that because, you know, some of these flights are, you know, two, three, four hour long flights. Um, Again, that that goes right to their ability to prepare and be comfortable and physically ready to play. A hundred
1: percent. And you're talking two, three hours. Like if the Mystics go to L.A., that's a cool five and a half. Right. So like that. I mean, I love it. I am so proud. Of course, there is a ways to go. But again, I'm not in the business office for the WNBA. So I can't tell you what the revenue generation is. But um, I'd love to get to a place where these women are on charter flights. I actually saw Imani McGee Stafford, who played basketball at Texas, tweet the other day. She retweeted a photo of the Texas women's basketball team who does travel charter because of that good old Big 12 football money. But anyway, she's like, man, I miss flying charter. And I was like, wow, like what a concept that there are college programs I can manage to figure this out but we can in our professional league.
0: So we got to give a ton of credit to, uh, as you said, the Agwumake sisters, Terry Jackson, uh, Kathy Engelbert. uh, Great job by all of them. I'm giving them a round of applause because for the the good of the game, congratulations to both sides. And uh, I think, you know, this season, uh, I think some of these things are going to definitely be reflected in a better product on the court as well which hopefully will lead to more fans more revenue yada 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 and everybody does well
1: agree with you 100 so in the name of our podcast we are calling the new cba agreement for the WNBA an absolute bucket and we want more of those all right let's go time to stick the landing hey. oh. Thank you so much to today's guest, Overtime Mikey from the Overtime Empire, my good friends over there. That crew, I promise, they're taking over the world. Make sure you're following them. Overtime is on to big things in 2020. Thanks, of course, and welcome back to my loyal sidekick and producer, Bruce Bernstein, and of course, our extraordinary editor, Ben Wolfen. Please be sure to check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and hopefully you caught his show with his guest this week, Tamir Goodman, the Jewish Jordan, who discusses how basketball can help heal some of the rifts between the African-American and Jewish communities. Folks, it was a great listen. Tamir has some incredible stories from his time as a collegiate athlete that still was able to honor his Jewish faith. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin releases a new show each Wednesday, And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops each Friday. Please subscribe to all of our shows, listen, rate us, review, but most of all, enjoy. And of course, I'm here on every Thursday with a new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So until next time, my good people, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure
0: Hoops Media.